Well, good morning. Glad that you're here. How's your Sunday treating you so far? Pretty good. I'm glad. Hey, we're currently in a series called Bless, and we're going to continue that this morning. Those of you wondering if we skipped communion, we have not. Uh, we're going to do communion, take communion as a church at the end of our service today. Those of you looking at the, the tasty treats in front of you here, you'll get them in just a moment. Don't worry. Um, but we're in this series uh, on bless. And, you know, this bless series, it's all about our mission as a church, how we live our mission as a church practically day to day as individuals in our schools, work, community, that our mission here at the church is to inspire others to say yes to God. And so how we do that practically in our lives, this is what BLESS is all about. And BLESS is an acronym. Each letter stands for a missional component, how we live daily in our lives. So B stands for begin with prayer. L stands for listen. E stands for eat. The first S stands for serve. And the last is share. And so it's this BLESS acronym that we get to live in our daily life. And so this is what we're going over and, you know, if you're new here, I'm glad that you're here. This is the perfect series to be a part of because it shows the heart of our church. And it shows the heart of who we are and why we do what we do and how our heart beats daily here as a church. So I'm really glad that you're here. Uh, just continue sticking through it throughout the next couple of weeks. And you'll really get a sense of uh, how we as a church want to inspire others to say yes to God by blessing them in their life. Yet far too often, right? In our life, uh, we don't do that very well. I am the first at fault, all right? That it's easy to sit on the sidelines and hope that someone else might carry out the mission, right? It's easy to go like, well, I just hope there's other people in the church doing it like they should. And it's easy to think that way. And as we say, we want to inspire others to say yes to God. Isn't it easy to like hear that and go like, that's an awesome statement. I want to inspire others to say yes to God. But in reality, when we're um, at school, let's say you're on your campus, in reality, and you're thinking, Lord, how do you want me to reach people? And I want to bless people um, on my high school campus or my college campus. And you look around, you're wondering, how am I going to do that? And I want to inspire people. But then it's easier just to fall into the pattern instead of inspiring others by our life. We just hope that others might say yes to God. Like, well, I just hope someone's going to do it, or I hope it'll happen. Or it's easy in our workplaces when we're at work and we're wondering, Lord, how are you going to move? How do you want to use me? And it's easy just to fall in that pattern, just go, well, I hope someone else does it. I hope someone says yes to God versus living intentionally and allowing God to use us to inspire others to say yes to him. So I want this morning, I believe that God can do something this morning that we move from just hoping for to actually living intentionally and inspiring others to say yes to God. And we want people, it, we, we bear this burden as the church that people would say yes to God because there are thousands and thousands and thousands of people in the Spokane region who have never encountered the grace of Jesus Christ. The freedom that comes by knowing him and having a right relationship with God and receiving the salvation that he gives us through the cross, 
There are thousands and thousands of people that have not experienced that. So we weigh this burden. We have this burden that we wear that we want people to say yes to him, to encounter the grace in their life, to receive healing for their brokenness and, you know, uh, to walk in a right standing with God and the freedom that comes from that. But we also want people to say yes to God in their life in a multitude of other areas, not just saying yes for the first time to receive Christ, but also yes in the other areas in their life that they need spiritual growth, emotional growth, um, relational growth, that there's a whole host of areas in our daily walk that we don't want to just plateau and just become, you know, the same uh, uh, spiritual level with the Lord, that God wants to take us to new places in our life. And he wants to, to continue to reconcile our relationships, our minds, our emotions, the very things that just makes us, us. And we want people to continue to say yes to God in lots of different areas. And we do this by this acronym, BLESS, um, that we can bless others to continue to say yes to him. So um, I'm going to be honest with you this morning. You know, if we're going to take this mission of Jesus seriously, this mission that he's given the church to inspire others to say yes to God by becoming wholehearted followers of him, and uh, if we're going to take that seriously, then, then... we're going to have to live a certain way that might be uncomfortable. Following Jesus might be uncomfortable for you, but it's life-changing. So during this series, we're challenging one another to live on mission, live intentionally, and just move from, I'm hoping something happens, I hope someone else has got it covered, to intentional followers on mission for Jesus. Now, this blessed strategy isn't anything new. If you were here last week, you got a good dose of this. If you weren't here last week, I just want to give you a quick recap that this blessed strategy was not just a few people who sat down and came up with some fancy words and a good you know, acronym. But here's what God told Abraham in Genesis 12, it, the, uh, all the way at the beginning of the Bible. He said, I will make you a great nation, talking to Abraham, and I will bless you. I'm going to bless you, Abraham, and I'll make your name great. And you will be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you. We'll skip down to the end, and all the earth will be blessed through you. That God blesses us so that we can be a blessing to other people, and that people in our lives, in our community, the places that you work, the places that you go to school, in your families, in your kids, that they will be blessed through you. This is what it's all about. And this acronym, BLESS, um, remember it stands for Begin With Prayer, Listen, Eat, Serve, Share. And so this morning, we're going to start with the first letter, B, which is Begin With Prayer. And um, I don't know about you, but like, I know that I need to wake up each morning and begin with prayer, but there's always things that get in the way of praying. And for for us, there's many things that get in the way of praying, Um, from whether it be I don't know how to, or I'm too busy, or I doubt it works. You know, for me, what gets in the way of praying in the morning? Coffee. (laughs) If you wake up in the morning, I don't know if you're like me, and there's no coffee, it is like a tragedy in the world, isn't it? There is no greater problem that a, a human can encounter than waking up and you, you know, open your Keurig thing, or you're going to scoop your grounds, and it's all gone. That happened to my wife and I the other morning. We're like, there's no coffee. How do we, how do we function in life? And so, you know, we ran to Costco to get, 
coffee later that day, and we went into Costco, just like I'm sure you do sometimes, because you got to get coffee or XYZ, and we ended up, you know, buying like hundreds of dollars of snacks for the kids, and then we got to the car, and we're like, we didn't buy the coffee, but plenty of things get in the way of our prayer, and so I said a few of those, you know, what is that? I think here's three common ones, like I said, that maybe it's, I don't know how, I don't know how to pray. Maybe you've been like in a small group or some church meeting or something like that where like the group leader or the pastor or the youth leader or something was like, Tom, why don't you pray us out? And you're like, "Uh, why did you just call me to pray? Like, I don't know what to pray for. I don't know how to pray. Why are you asking me to pray? You're the leader. I don't know if you've ever been in that place of like, why did you call on me? Where everyone looks down and they know someone's going to call on who's going to pray. Maybe you've been in that spot that's like, I don't know how to pray. And while I'm not going to dive into like a deep, you know, discussion on what prayer is, in the most simple form, it's just a normal conversation like you would have with anyone else with God. That you're, you're open, you're honest, you're transparent about the hurts, your fears, and you can just talk to him. And you can ask him, you know, uh, for forgiveness, to bless this, thank him for that. It's just a normal conversation that you just get to have. And if you don't know what to pray... Just talk to him. Second thing is, sometimes we don't pray because we're too busy. And this one gets in the way so often that we're too busy to pray. And you've probably heard this statement before, you're too busy not to pray. Because God unleashes power, and there's something that happens that unlocks when we do pray. And so... Maybe you're like me, you know, I'm super busy, or, um, or I remember back when I was in high school, for you high school students or college students, I remember like, I was so busy as like a junior and senior in high school, that I had a zero hour class, you know, that was like, you had to be there at 5.30 a.m., so I had to wake up at like 4.30 to get there, and then you're there all the way, and then maybe you have like sports practice after school, so you're like there to like 7 p.m., 6 p.m., then you get home, and you have dinner, and by the time you're like done like with your homework, it's like 9 or 10 p.m. at night, and it's like you've been going since like woke up at 4.30, and now it's like 11 or something, and it's like you're just so busy. And so if you're a college student or a high school student, you probably relate to this and you understand that. And it's like, I'm also trying to have a social life, you know. I get that. I've been there and it's really hard to find those times of when do I pray. Or maybe you're a mom. You're working 24-7. Like, you don't get a break, you know. It's like, well, maybe I'll work at 2 a.m. No, you're not going to work at 2 a.m. because you got a child at 2 a.m. Maybe I'll pray. It's really difficult. And I get that. But As Dallas Willard says, one of the greatest things we can do in our spiritual life is to ruthlessly eliminate hurry. It's that sense and that feeling that like you have so much going on in your day to pause for five minutes, you couldn't do. It's that feeling that inhibits you to do the most important thing, which is to spend time with God. And I get that. I've been there where you have so much going on in your day, you feel like you can't just stop for a moment. And if we can just eliminate the hurry feeling, the busyness feeling, because everyone is busy. If we can just eliminate that hurried feeling and just pause with whatever time you do have. If you have an hour, take the hour. If you have five minutes, take the five minutes. But it's one of the most important things you do is to pray even in the midst of busyness. And the last, you know, sometimes we don't pray because we doubt it works. And I get that. 
I have been there. I've been in seasons in my life before where you're praying for something substantial and you want God to move in some type of way. And on like day one of like, I'm going to start praying about this. You're like, yeah, God, you're going to do amazing things. Like a week goes by, a month goes by, a year goes by and you're like, yeah, Lord, like you're still coming through, aren't you? Like, (laughs) I know you, I know you are. And then by like year two, maybe year three, you're like, it's just straight up crickets up there. And you're like, where are you, God? I'm not even sure this is working. I'm not even sure what I'm praying for is having any effect whatsoever in my life. And I've been there. And that takes an exceptional amount of faith, an exceptional amount of trust, and a spiritual depth and weight beneath um, just the surface level spirituality that holds you grounded to knowing that God is good, God is faithful, he is for you, he is not against you, and that he's working in the background even when you don't see him. And he's working in the background and maybe it's not in your timing. And that takes a pretty deep spiritual trust and anchor to stay in that mindset of knowing God, you are good and you are faithful. There's a lot of reasons we don't pray. But Today, I want to challenge each and every one of us to begin to start each day with prayer, with the, uh, the mindset of being intentional because we want to bless the world. We want to inspire people to say yes to God. And uh, first and foremost, we follow Jesus, who is the supreme example of what it's like to live a life. And Jesus, is, as he's the one we follow, his entire life was blessing the world from uh, his entire ministry, every place he went, every person he encountered experienced this like God moment. I don't know if you've ever experienced like a God moment or maybe it was like at a camp or a conference or maybe it was just like in a small group. Maybe it was during like Rooted. Maybe it was at at a church service or maybe you were just alone in the wilderness. I don't know. But if you've experienced one of those God moments, whether you were young or old or anywhere in between, you know what I'm talking about. When God um, collides with your life in such a way that it's undeniable. And every moment that people encountered Jesus during his ministry was these like God moments. And he blessed people through that. Jesus lived this blessed model, this practice of his daily life on earth. And he did this by beginning with prayer. He did it by beginning with prayer. If you read through the first four books of the New Testament, they tell about the story of Jesus and his life and his ministry, his death and his resurrection. And what we see is this consistent pattern of prayer. I'm going to show you just a few, but these aren't all the examples. In Luke 3, he records that Jesus prays at his baptism and the heavens are open and he's filled with the Holy Spirit and blessed by the Father. Jesus had regular practices of withdrawing from crowds uh, by himself just to pray. Jesus prayed uh, before performing miracles, asking the Father to bless the work that he was doing. Jesus prayed for his friends that they would remain strong in their faith. And Jesus spent the night before his crucifixion alone in the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. We see this practice of prayer, whether him praying for his friends or his family or, you know, praying for strength or encouragement. We even see Jesus stepping away from ministry from when he's teaching the crowds and performing miracles, even stepping away to pray. That means, you know, like for us that... 
We do a lot. We serve a lot. Our, we have our uh, ministry to our family. We have our ministry to our church. We have ministry outside the church. And a lot of us do a lot, but it also means that we need to step away from all of that in times to pray. And over and over again, we see Jesus prioritize prayer, that he begins with prayer. Um, and even on the cross, we see Jesus praying to the Father. And I you know, want us to focus on one of these instances that I didn't read here, but in Luke chapter 6, when Jesus was determining who were going to be his 12 disciples, who was he going to appoint to be apostles, the people who were going to, to not only be blessed by him, but were going to then bless the entire world. And so it takes a lot of time and prep and prayer that Jesus shows us. And as we think like, Lord, who do you want me to bless who are these people that I should be involved with? It begins with prayer. Let's read this in Luke 6. He says, One of those days, Jesus went out to the mountainside to pray, and he spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated as apostles. Simon, whom he named Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was also called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Jesus wanted to identify the people whom he would invest his life into. There were probably lots of candidates. There were plenty of instances in which Jesus you know, came to people and said, drop everything and follow me. Some did, some didn't. But there was lots of people that he asked to come and follow him. And in this moment of going, okay, I got to pick a few people. Who am I going to pick? Jesus went and prayed. And I'm sure the pool of candidates, there were a lot of great people. I'm sure there was recognizable potential in some. I'm sure there was some that had great leadership skills or business practices. Um, I'm sure that there were some who had personalities that made them like the obvious choice. They were infectious. They were great to be around. But we see the stakes were high and Jesus prayed and not everyone was the obvious choice. Who am I going to bless? And so I'm sure Jesus is up on the mountain and he's like praying to God. And Luke doesn't tell us what he prayed. We just know he prayed. And then he appointed his, his disciples and apostles. But I'm sure it went something like this. Lord, Peter, for real? Do you know how annoying he is? You know what a big mouth he is? You know, like, you really want me to invest in Peter. Yeah, I want you to invest in Peter. Or like Matthew, right? Lord, Matthew? Matthew is a tax collector. People hate him. How is his life going to represent you? He robs people of their money. Like, really, Matthew? Yeah, Matthew. Or what about Judas? Really, Judas? Like, that guy's a dirtbag. Come on. Like, Judas, for real? He's a, you know, why him? You know that he's going to betray me one day. Yeah, Judas, it's part of my sovereign plan to save the world. I'm sure it went something like that. And while he didn't pick all the obvious choices, who did he pick? He picked regular people, fishermen. He picked a tax collector, a re the re uh, religious zealous became the people who later would betray him. He didn't pick the obvious religious standouts in his time. These were people that he chose. And as we go in and pray, like, 
Well, sometimes it is the obvious choice. I'm not saying it's not always that. Sometimes God puts someone on your heart. He shows you someone, and you're just like, really? Should it be this person that I invest in and begin to bless? Yeah, sometimes it is, and that's just the Holy Spirit prompting you early or, you know, prompting you, and then as you think and pray about it, it's like, yeah, it is that person. But sometimes it's not always the obvious person that God's asking you to invest in. Sometimes it is that really annoying person. Sometimes it is that person who's very different than you. It's sometimes it's that person who does not share the same values as you. That they don't, you know, follow Christ very well, if at all. Sometimes it's people that don't look like you, act like you, talk like you. Sometimes it's people that you would not recognize as like, this is the person that I would hang out with and bless with my life. Now, I can relate to Jesus when he goes out into the wilderness. Because I love hiking, I love backpacking. And when I'm like out in the mountains far away from civilization and your cell phone doesn't work, even if you wanted it to, and you don't have any of that, sometimes it just like all the things that we feel like weigh us down because of busyness and all the things that we thought were super important just become very minimal. And your perspective shifts because you see yourself in light of God's creation and how big and amazing and how vast it is and the mountains and the stars. And you go like, wow, like I'm kind of puny and small and insignificant in a lot of ways. Lord, in all of my insignificance, because the world doesn't revolve around me, my family doesn't revolve around me, how do you want me to use my time? And when I'm out there and I kind of retreat a little bit from life, that's really important. It's important to find places of solitude that you can retreat and get greater clarity like Jesus did. And for you, maybe that is like hiking or backpacking or whatnot like it is for me, but it can just be a walk around your neighborhood. It can just be people make like literal prayer closets in their home. They can just like get away from I don't know what that is for you, but it's important that you do find retreat in life. And when I talk about that word retreat, sometimes it can sound negative because we oftentimes we hear the word retreat in the form that the military uses, a, a retreat from battle. And this is usually because like the battle's getting so hard or like the, the other forces are uh, coming against us in a way that we didn't encounter and something's going where we need to reassess our plan and we got to retreat because we're being overtaken. And while that's a negative term, they have, uh, the military has shifted and they're now saying that it's a strategic withdrawal. And I think this is really important because, because while retreat can be a good word, that uh, Ruth Haley Barton in her book called uh, The uh, Invitation to Retreat, she highlights this, that this is a really important shift in our mind, that retreating doesn't mean you're losing. Retreating is an intentional, strategic reevaluation of, God, what are you doing in my life? God, what are you doing? Uh, or if you're in the military, you know, how can we reassess the battlefront that we can strategically encounter it, maybe in a different direction? And then you can go at it with rest and a new perspective. And in our life, it's, Lord, as I strategically withdraw, it's intentional. It's I'm doing this for a purpose. I'm doing this because I know it's good for me. I'm doing this because I know that there's battles in my life. There's battles at my work, in my home. There's battles in relationships. And I know that I have to reevaluate it with an intentional purpose and ask questions to God. Lord, um, where am I in danger right now? 
you know, and this is where you can just say honest and completely honest with God exactly how you're feeling. Am I engaged in the right battles at work with people? Am I approaching this the right way? Or a really important question, am I investing in the person or people that you want me investing in? Because you could in invest your whole life in people and, and when there was others that God may have uh, uh, opened up that you could have invested in that could have been far more impactful, that it's those times that we step back with that strategic withdrawal. It's intentional with a purpose that not just to rest and relax and like, oh, I just got to get filled back up. But it's like this uh, uh, intentional way of I need to rest and, re and refresh, but to be intentional of how I'm going to engage, I'm going to be more effective when I re-engage. And so we want to strategically withdraw so we can hear from God. And Jesus models this exceptionally well when he chooses his 12 disciples. Let me give you an example of when this happened in my life uh, just recently. That I was uh, in an undergrad program uh, about a year and a half ago. And I was in this class where there was this like guest instructor for like the six-week course because the other guy got sick or something like that. And this guy was amazing. It was this really insightful class. It was um, eye-opening. It was uh, understanding human behavior and organizations. It was like why employees function like they function, you know, like the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? It was like really insightful. And this guy had like a PhD in the psychology of employment or something. It was like why you'd get that PhD, I don't know. And he even joked about it like I'm like one of two guys who got this PhD, the psychology of employment, you know, like... And so, but it was this really neat class. And through a course of conversations, I remember how it got there, but in the class, uh, through like just conversation, him guiding the class, he talked about how he recently went through a divorce and how he was, he was kind of struggling with it and he had kids and they were struggling. And like in that moment, it, I started to like percolate a little bit of like, man, my heart goes out for this guy. And he was kind of like, I don't even know why I shared that, but somehow the conversation led there. And then like, you know, another class or two later, uh, it also came up, somehow the conversation in the class led to him talking about his faith, that he grew up uh, uh, in a faith-based home, but then through the course of events, he lost his faith and he's become more of an agnostic or atheist. And then like, it just really started to hit me like, Nate, you're here for a reason. And and then I asked people to begin to pray with me. I'm like, I'm going to pray for this, this guy. He's a really neat, he's really smart, he's very charismatic, he's got a lot going for him, but I feel that maybe he's hurting in some way. And so I just began to pray for him on my own. And then I was like, oh, I feel like God's telling me, like, maybe I should do something here. And then I, I asked, like, our worship team to pray with me, like, hey, could you pray about this with me? And then I asked, like, our staff here at church, like, would you pray? And every time we were praying, it was like, yeah, you need to, like, God was trying to open this door and prompt me me to go. So after the class ended, you know, I didn't, you know, do this before the class ended because that could have been weird, you know, as a student. But after the class ended, I just emailed him very respectfully and said, hey, your story, you know, uh, I think we share some certain things in common, but also like, I'd just love to hear more about what's going on in your life. Could I buy you dinner sometime? He didn't respond for like two weeks and then he finally did. And he was like, yes, I'd love that. So I took him out. We got a burger on the South Hill. And with just this intent that I just want to listen to him. So I listened to his story, asked him, like, how are things going? How's your kids? How's this? You know, I bought him a meal. We ate together. It was really delicious. And, um, but through that, I was able to share with him my story. And then I invited him to church. And he came to church like two weeks later. Um, and it was great. It was awesome. 
And, you know, as time went on, you know, I'm not sure where he's at anymore. We've kind of like gone different ways and, and he might not even be in Spokane. I remember he was talking about maybe leaving at one point, but needless to say, I just followed God's prompting that he would, what he was trying to do and open up. He was trying to open something up, open up, up some type of door that I needed to go through. And I did that. I just was attentive to the spirit and obedient to what God had for me. And then the rest was in God's hands. Like, I don't have to bear the burden of, did I do the right things as long as I was obedient to what God was asking me, whether or not anything happens to any specific person. If you really want to be a part of inspiring people to say this to God, we have to begin with prayer. Prayer must drive us to action. When we pray and we open our scriptures and we read through that, it should inspire you to do something, to live more like Christ lived. And I know it's risky and it's uncomfortable and it can feel weird, but only God knows the impact that you can make in someone's life if you choose to be a blessing to someone else. And it all begins with prayer, praying for someone. In prayer, we open ourselves to God and the leading of the Spirit. In prayer, we focus our minds to recognizing His promptings. In prayer, we receive the direction we need to discover the people and the places God is calling us to bless. So, let me challenge us this morning. to Set aside time every day to pray. To be intentional about who God might be asking you to bless. So let me give you just quick three things here um, that might help you. First is plan. You got to plan when you're going to pray. It's important for us to get it on our mental or actual calendar of I'm praying here, I'm praying now. Um, that if we're not intentional about it, too many things get in the way. Uh, uh, a professor long ago told me when I was like 19, he, said, he was like, here's the way of success. He was like, the five Ps. Prior planning prevents poor performance. And it's like, boom, I've, I've used that and said that so many times ever since. Like, if I don't plan, and I'm going to have a poor performance in my life. And that means prayer, too. You have to plan it. Plan when you're going to pray. Is it every day when you get up? Get your coffee and then pray and you know, open your Bible. Next is prepare. And as you pray, you have to ask God to prepare your heart for what he's going to do. And you also come into it with like actual things to, to do and pray about. Sometimes you don't know what to pray, and I get that. I've been there. But if we can go into it like with, what, like what uh, Ruth Haley Barton said in her book, Invitation to Pray, that we need to take that strategic withdrawal, and you ask God things like, am I engaged in the right battles right now? Am I investing in the right people right now? Where am I in danger to life right now? What do I need to do about it? If you come in prepared knowing what you're going to pray, usually it's, it, it's going to be more successful for you. And then finally, you know, ask God to show you the people and places he's calling you to bless. Who is it, Lord? What is it? Where is it? Uh, I was on an airplane ride back from California a few weeks ago, and I sat next to this just awesome guy. He was amazing. He was like, 80-something years old. I forget what he told me. He was like 82 or something. And he just had this amazing story, wildly successful in his life. He worked for NASA for like 
20 years. He worked on Apollo 1, 2, and 3 as an engineer. He worked with Neil Armstrong. He was just this awesome guy. He traveled the world working for NASA, doing things. He started multiple businesses. He started a large uh, corporation here in town and then sold it recently. And now he just travels and plays golf. But he was awesome. And he was sitting next to his wife, who he had been married with since he was like 21 or whatever. And I was just like, what's the secret, man? Like, clearly you got it. What is it? And uh, he kind of paused for a moment, and he was like, every opportunity has an expiration date. And I've just lived that every opportunity that has been presented to me, I've walked through it. And if you don't live that way, they all have an expiration date. And I left, and I went home, and I told my wife, like, I met this cool guy on the plane. He told me this thing, and I think it's really great, and I think it's profound. It probably came from the Lord, and he didn't know it. But I was thinking about it, like, that's so true, that when we pray, and we're asking God, who is it? These are opportunities for us to walk through, and every opportunity has an expiration date. Not everything's going to last for forever. And guys, if you've ever had a crush on a girl and you didn't act on it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> that you sat, and you had a crush, and you looked at her, and you wondered, and you never did anything about it, and then she started dating someone else, and then she got engaged, and then she got married, and you still look at her on Facebook, and you wonder, and you cry, and you do the pity party. Every opportunity has an expiration date. Just go for it, you know, that you know this is true. You know this is true. And that when God puts people in front of us like that instructor of mine, he's probably gone and moved away now. But that that God puts someone in front, that that's an opportunity in a very narrow window. That window is not going to stay open forever. He's got other students. He's got other things. He's got other things he's dealing with. And for you, when God puts someone in your life, there's a narrow window that you can probably walk through. And if you don't walk through that, it has an expiration date. And so we want to be in a place that we can discern, where is God leading me? Who is God leading me? And I must take action if I'm really going to bless people. Ask God to show you the people and places and then walk through that door of opportunity. All right, you got these sticky notes on your chair and hopefully you didn't just draw a funny picture of me. If you did, it's okay. You got these sticky notes and we're gonna have a share in an opportunity right now that we get to pause for just a moment and we get to pray intentionally, God, who are you asking me Where are you asking me and how are you asking me to bless the people around me? There's all kinds of people. If you're a college student on your campus, there's probably hundreds or thousands of students you could bless. You you know, in your workplace or your family, you got all kinds of people. Who is it? As Jesus thought, who are my 12? Who is it that you, God is asking you to bless? Maybe it's a coworker, a neighbor, a family member, a business owner, someone on your staff. Someone at your favorite coffee shop. I don't know. But we're going to have this opportunity in just a moment here that we're going to pause and just pray and be in this practice. And I'm going to have you write down, you know, one, two, three names on separate sticky notes. And then usually we write prayer requests up on these sidewalls here during communion. But I ask you to place their names up there because we're believing that God's going to do something with people um, that we're going to bless. It involves us going and stepping out. And then after you do that, we're gonna, you can come forward. After you pause, you've prayed, you've written, you've stuck, then you can consume, all right? Is that clear instructions? And you can come forward and take communion. But, but let me tell you this, um, that maybe there's an opportunity to meet someone's practical need.
Maybe there's an opportunity that God will provide you with a listening ear. Maybe you'll have an opportunity that as we pray and you bless people and you're doing these steps that we're going to talk about, maybe it's, you can invite someone to our Easter service and they could encounter something that's amazing. So as we pray and as, as, as we sit here and the band's going to begin playing in a moment and we'll have a, a brief moment of worship as well, I want you to ask for this. Here's a few things. Ask for God to give you the desire to pray. Sometimes you just have to ask, I need the desire, I want to pray. Two, for God to prepare our heart for the adventure, for the opportunities that you're going to be able to walk through. Three, for God to give us clarity as to the people and places he's calling us. And we're here for a very specific reason you know, this morning. We're here to praise God, to worship him, and we get to take communion. That first and foremost, you know, communion, when we take it, we're remembering the sacrifice that Christ made for you and for me, how he blessed the world. That when we take the bread, which resembles his body, and drink the juice, which remembers the, or, or is a memory of the blood shed on the cross, when we take that, we're remembering God's sacrifice, and we're honoring that. But I also want to bring up the fact, Hebrews thirteen seven says this, The writer says, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Now, I want to be clear about this, that there was someone in your life more than likely who blessed you. There was someone in your life, whether it was a pastor, a preacher, a friend, a coworker, a youth leader, whatever it was, that they acted on their faith for you that they shared their story with you. They listened to your problems. They ate food with you. They served you. They shared their story with you. And then you're here today and, and you're remembering the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. And that's great. But someone blessed you. And how awesome would it be as we reflect on those leaders in our life who took that step of faith on me took that step of faith to listen to my problems, that what if one day when you did bless someone, they were here taking communion and thanking Christ for saving them because of you being willing to step through that opportunity. And so as we are in this state and we're gonna pray, think about the names that you get to write down And hopefully these are names that one day they will sit in church or their living room and they will remember the sacrifice that you did for them, that you blessed them, that you're not just here because random chance. Someone was intentional with you. And the selfish thing to do is just to go, thanks, I'm good now. But you get the opportunity to be a blessing to the world you get the opportunity to bless others. So let's just pray really quick and then I'll have you just kind of reflect for a moment, write a few names down, stick it on the walls here and then you can take communion. Lord, we just thank you for who you are. God, we just pray that you would give us a desire to pray. Give us a hunger to want to be with you, to be in conversation with you. Lord, we pray that right now you begin to Open up our minds. Show us, reveal people to us. Maybe it's the obvious person. Maybe it's not the obvious person. But no matter what, Lord, we want to lay that stuff aside and ask God, who are you saying that I might invest my life in? 
that they might say yes to you. Thank you for who you are and your sacrifice for me, God. Let's pray and then feel free to get up and move about when you feel ready. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Oh, we live for you.
let's just take a moment. We're just going to pray for the names that we've put on the, on the wall here. And I encourage you at any point throughout the week or on Sunday, you know, come and pray for these. Other, other names than just the ones that you wrote down as well. But we're believing God would use you to bless their life. And that ultimately they would receive his grace in, in some type of way and say yes to him. So Lord, we just lift up these names. God, we ask that you would use us in a profound way. God, open up doors of opportunity that we might be able to walk through them. God, that people might see you more and more who you are by the way that we live and we share our story and we serve and we listen and we pray for others, God. We ask that you would use us. You would bless other people. We lift these names up to you and pray for them. Have your will, Lord. Now God's people said, amen. Amen. Well, thank you for coming today. If you're new here, I would love to meet you. I'll be right underneath this monitor here. If you would like some prayer, there'll be some people right over here. They would love to pray with you. Otherwise, God bless you. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you next Sunday.